Hey, hello world. Hello internet, YouTube sensation that I am, Matthew Whiteside, Uniweb Productions producer, artist, entertainer, comedian, smell of vision, excavator, potential uh, homicidic. Potential what? Homicidic? This is the part of the pre-show. During the pre-show, I like to get as weird as possible. As to alienate myself from as many humans as possible. Oh, boy. You see? You see how I do that, dear? Alienation. Alienation. Oh, crap. Somebody's actually watching right now. <laughs> hey, who's watching? Who's watching? Put it in the chat. I want to know who it is. You can't hide from us forever. Well, maybe you can. Who are you? <laughs> Who's watching these things? It's probably just me. It's probably one. Of, it's probably <laughs> oh, us. <laughs> no, it's not. Because this one has to go live. Oh. Well, thank you so much for joining Unwin Productions Bedtime Stories. We'll be starting in four minutes. We're very excited. As a thank you and a reminder, please subscribe if you haven't already. I'm <laughs> 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 so weird. I wonder. What's up with the hoods lately? I don't know. It made me feel comfortable. <laughs> I feel nighty. I feel like this is my nighttime. I need to get you one, uh, some onesies. Yeah. Jammies. What onesies? Onesie jammies. You know what I'm talking about? Like this. Yeah, that'd be cool. Beauty jammies, whatever they are. I'd be cool with that. No, you would. I'd be cool. One with more that. step up in the old man. Oh, that's going down down the block. How about some? How about some thumbs up? Anybody want to give a thumbs up? Thumbs up. He's about to go live. What should we talk about? In the, we should start doing like a warm up show. Do you have any jokes? Do I? Yeah. Um. I don't have any jokes. Oh, we have another person. Thank you for joining, other person. In the that would be me. We have three people. Thank you. Are you on? Are you three people? Yeah, I'm one person. Wait, now we have one again. Ah! <laughs> this number thing drives me crazy. There might not even be anybody. It could just be aliens. Oh, yeah, you thought. Did you thumbs up? <gasps> <laughs> Two people. All right. All right, you people out there on the internet, comment. Hey, so we're going to give away a free copy. Did you thumbs up? No, I didn't. You didn't? Another one. <gasps> we're going to... Let me do that. It was you! Shabnam! What's up, girl? Thank you for watching. This is... <laughs> if this is your first time watching Bedtime Stories... I like her dogs. Oh, uh, Sherry says she loves your dogs. They're very adorable. If this is your first time watching Bedtime Stories, we like to get weird here. Not super, not too weird. No, yeah, we're not like, not like really weird, but like weird. I'm just, just weird. <laughs> I'm just weird. We're just regular weird. But we're gonna be reading soon, so thank you for tuning in. 
Oh, and we're also giving away a free copy of the ebook um, KLS Nine. Yes. Hold on. This is. Hi. Why did you look that because way? Because I couldn't see. I didn't know if I was on there. Because the book is covering. Free. That's right. And maybe we can read. Uh, we can read part of your memoir when it comes out, and I can uh, give that away for free too. Courtesy of Uniweb Productions. If you're interested, we can talk about it. All right, so one minute and counting. I'm gonna get some water. Hurry, you're you're it's not. One minute, one. I can come to the kitchen. Sometimes people just aren't prepared. She leaves. She leaves. It's nine o'clock, and she's late for our our show because oh she needed to get water. <laughs> Oh. I'm a terrible human. I made. All right. It's nine o'clock. Do you know where your bedtime story is? It's here. It's right here. That's right. We have. I, I have creepy music. I talked to the author of K, KLS Nine, um, Lee Grissom. Thank you so much for letting us read from your story, KLS Nine. Uh, it's very, very creepy. <laughs> you told me you wanted me to read it in a creepy voice. I also got creepy music to go along with it. So if you scare easily, make sure you watch extra hard <laughs> because it's about to get good. All right, you ready? All right. She was born ready. Here we go. Uniweb's production of KLS9 as read by Matt and Sherry. Mainly Matt. Mostly Matt. Don't forget to subscribe and like. Love you guys. All right. Here we go. The music. Prologue. 35 years. 35 years. He'd never seen such a horror. 42 bodies. 40 members of his night crew. Dead, scattered throughout Hall 19. The rivers of blood coating the floor made it difficult to walk without slipping. Some of the victims littering the hall had been shot so many times only their badges provided their identities. Other bodies looked untouched. Only the blood seeping from their sightless eyes hinted they did not die peacefully. In the dorm room where he stood, one student hung by his neck from a rope looped around a ceiling beam. Suicides were common here, but this boy's hands were zip-tied behind his head, behind his back. He, he doubted telekinesis was listed as one of the boy's abilities. <laughs> Murder. The last, this one, uh, the last, this one, another staff member, lay on the floor underneath the boy. His eyes were gone not gouged out. They had been popped like grapes. What was left of the sticky ocular fluid ran down the man's pale waxy cheeks. The right side of his skull had been caved in. Dearmont could see shards of bone embedded in his brain. Murder? Here? Damn. Philip Dearmont, headmaster of New Covington Institute of Psychic Research, suddenly hated his job. 
His assistant paused in the doorway, peering in at the headmaster. When he saw the death around him, he put his hand over his mouth and made quick swallowing noises. William, if you're going to throw up, please do it somewhere else. Sir, his eyes are... I noticed. Get yourself together and come back in a minute. William fled. Dearmont, <laughs> Dearmont closed his eyes in exasperation. What had he done to deserve such a waste of good oxygen for an assistant? Alone again, he knelt to, to examine the eyeless corpse. The name badge read David C. Davis. But the picture looked nothing like the eyeless face staring up at him. Sadly, he doubted the trauma of losing his eyes had killed the young man. The large crater in the side of his head was most likely the culprit. He saw the blood-spattered asp in the corner of the room. Some of the night crew used them since only a select few were allowed to carry firearms. He thought about picking, picking it up until he noticed something gray and slightly runny mixed with the blood. Brain matter. He left it on the floor. Dearmont shook his head sadly. I should have issued you a gun, David. Beaten to death with what was supposed to keep him safe. It would have been funny if it weren't for the empty eye sockets watching his every move. He tore his eyes away from where the dead man's used to be and noticed his belt was unbuckled. Odd. Dearmont glanced back at the bloody asp, then again at the dead man's skull. It would have taken inhuman strength to do that kind of damage with such a thin weapon. Who could have done this? Sir? Dearmont glared at his assistant. If this weren't enough to convince him to retire, nothing would. Yes, William. Did you puke somewhere inconspicuous? Uh, um, no, sir. Sorry. You wanted a status report? Yes. William motioned to the security controller standing near the doorway. The controller snapped a salute, and Dearmont groaned in frustration. All halls are locked down, Headmaster. All staff has been called in for a head count of the students. The uh, cleaning crew is removing all the victims to the infirmary. Dearmont snorted in distaste. Infirmary? Tonight? It was a morgue. He nodded and dismissed the controller with a wave. In his mind, he was already composing his resignation letter. William was staring at him. Although he lacked the talent all the students in the Institute had to some degree, he still knew the question the filthy, the flighty little man was about to ask. Dearmont held up a hand. No. No authorities. We don't need the publicity. Sir? Think... You useless boy, look around. This place is a fucking bloodbath. He closed his eyes and, and composed himself. This place was supposed to be a safe haven for psychic research. We helped talented children assimilate into society. He ran his hand through what was left of his hair. It wasn't supposed to be like this. He looked up at the young man hanging from the ceiling beam. Do we know who this was? Yes, sir. John Eric Sheridan. Sheridan. Dearmont, Dearmont clutched at his chest and stumbled, leaning hard against the wall. My God. Sir, what is it? What's wrong? Jesus fucking Christ. He had to say it. But he didn't want William to hear the fear in his voice. Finally, he coughed and patted his former assistant on the shoulder. Boy, listen to me closely. Resign. Clear out your office. 
and get the hell out of New Covington. You're too young and too stupid to die for my mistake. William paled. Out of the city? What, sir? What aren't you telling me? I should have said no. I should have. But the funding would have... Oh, God. He looked down at Davis's body. If you caused this by killing that boy, I'll haunt you forever. Sir? Dearmont pulled his arm around William's shoulders. Get the word out. Send everyone home and cancel the headcount. I know which student is missing. And son, I hope I never have to see her again. <laughs> to General Marcus Winter from Philip Dearmont, Headmaster, New Covington Institute for Psychic Research. Re-resignation. General, I regret to inform you of the slaughter that has occurred here at the Institute. I have attached the security controller report and all applicable photos along with this letter. If you require any further information, General, well, too fucking bad. I won't be here to send it. General, I have lost 41 of my staff and all for what? To create a weapon? You created a weapon, General, and now it's loose. I hope I am still alive to see her come for all of you. But she knows who I am and hates me along with the rest of you. This is my resignation, effective right now. I'm leaving the country, even though I'm not sure even that distance will save me. Please, General, either let these children go or destroy them. Playing God like this will only get you killed. With sincerity and haste, Philip Dearmont. Philip Dearmont. 1999-20 to 2071. Philip Dearmont of New Covington Northwest Ter Northeast Territory passed from this life on March 15th, 2071, two days after his 72nd birthday. He is, last, he is the last of his family, but is survived by the hundreds of gifted children he helped during his 35 years of, as headmaster of the New Covington Institute of Psychic Research. In lieu of flowers and memorials, the Institute has asked, for donations to keep Philip's dream alive, protecting these beautiful children he always called the new world's future. He will be missed. Chapter one. Another day, another migraine. Carrie rolled over and thought of a new and unusual way to curse not only the spike in her skull, but the small sliver of sunlight mm. peeking through the boards covering her window. It felt like someone was driving a nail into her right eye, slowly. Fuck you, Mother Nature! She snarled, hiding her eyes against the pinprick of light. She found her feet and stood up, immediately regretting the action. Luckily, her apartment was tiny enough that it was a fast trip to the bathroom to be sick. The dry heaves made it feel like her brain was about to explode. Where the hell? She fumbled through her bathroom's one drawer and found her pain patches. They never stopped the pain completely, but they helped her function till the migraine went away on its own. She slapped two on her wrist and counted the rest. Only four left. If she didn't visit the village idiot in the next two day or two, she'd run out. It never ended well. Leaning on the counter, she studied her reflection. There was a new bruise on her cheek. She didn't remember it from the night before. A quick check on her hand showed cuts. 
bruised knuckles and one torn fingernail. Her shirt was ripped at the collar. She knew it had been a whole had been whole yesterday before. Where's my rent? Oh shit. Bits and pieces of the evening sparked through her memory. Mitch Cannon, her piece of shit landlord, had stopped to collect the rent she didn't have. When she promised to get him the money, he'd suggested a trade. And the bastard wouldn't listen when she told him no. Oh, no. She looked at her knuckles again, then staggered back to bed and fished her Glock 19 from her pillow. This is not good. It had been fired. But where was Mitch? She scanned the apartment, seeing no signs of struggle or anything out of place. She slowly scanned the floors, searching for blood, and found traces, like some hand had been wiped up from the floor. She looked at her hands again. It could be hers, but she doubted it. She looked in her trash can and found an old towel covered in drying blood. She wasn't cut up that badly. If her landlord wasn't dead, she'd have been arrested already. Or he'd have come back and killed her. Her mind raced, but she could only remember telling him no. What the hell happened? Get out! Now! Damn it! She grabbed her jacket and headed for the door. No one was waiting and she slipped downstairs without being noticed. The wrist patches had dulled the pain to the point she thought she could endure the sunlight long enough to find somewhere to hide for the day. She'd kept an eye on the video boards above her and pray she was wrong. But she wasn't. She knew she wasn't. She'd killed the bastard and didn't remember doing it. But where was his body? And if the cops found him, would they trace it back to her? Don't worry about that now. She shook her head, trying to block out the insistent voice in her head and kept walking. Without thinking about it, she wiped down the Glock and dropped it into, into a dumpster. The four-block trip to Jake's bar felt like four miles in her half-numb state of terror. Carrie kept glancing at the video boards to see if there was any news on what she was sure was a murder. But there wasn't. Maybe, just maybe, the cops wouldn't waste any extra paperwork on an asshole like Mitch or the manpower to look for his killer. Jake's was the only bar in the city that opened before nightfall. It was rumored he actually served lunch sometimes, but she was never awake that early. Of all the bars in the area, she liked his the best. The atmosphere was always laid back, and Jake's was never crowded. She hated crowds. Hey, Jake! She called to the old man behind the bar. The grizzled bartender looked up and grinned. Gary, been a while. The usual. Nope, gave it up. Jack raised an eyebrow. Really? He pointed toward the pain patches on the inside of, his, of her wrist. Headache's getting bad. She nodded, glad he decided to ignore the other cuts and bruises. Yeah, got any of that soda you keep talking about? Sure. It's in the back. Let me go get it. He shuffled off. Carrie spun around on the bar stool, trying to look nonchalant as she checked out the street outside. Nothing. She lit a cigarette and surveyed the sparse group already drinking away their sorrows. I hate this fucking city. She muttered. She wished she could remember how the hell she came to live in Horizon. But that was another hole in her memory. It was an easy place to be unnoticed, and for her, that was the best selling point of all. Three years she'd spent in the city. It was the longest she could remember living anywhere, except... Jake interrupted her train wreck of a thought. Here you go. On the house. He set a glass on a dark liquid in front of her. She eyed the glass skeptically. What's that? 
There used to call it Dr. Something or Other when I was your age. Now, I don't know. I get it from the market without a label. Carrie took a drink and almost choked. Damn, is that real sugar? <laughs> Jake laughed. You're good. Real sugar. Real caffeine. I've got plenty. So holler when you need a refill. He wandered off to, to help another customer. Carrie took another sip of the quote-unquote doctor something or other. Not bad. It was very different from the booze she was used to pouring down her throat. But in order to figure out if the alcohol was the reason behind her blackouts, she had to drink something else. Horizon's water supply was not on the list of choices. A guard cruiser parked across the street. Great. As calmly as she could, she got Jake's attention. Go through the back. He jerked a thumb toward the storeroom. Wait there. I'll come get you when they leave. She nodded and silently slipped off her bar stool. Maybe it was nothing, but chances were something she enjoyed taking. The storeroom was dark and cold. Crates of synthetic alcohol, the nasty shit that passed her beer, lined the stone walls. The real stuff, the stuff Jake made his living selling under the table, was behind a steel door, guarded by every security lock imaginable. She'd helped him load the booze off the truck in the middle of the night more than once. It was an easy way to make money. Without government-issued identification, she couldn't get a real job anywhere. They went into the club across the street, but you might want to get scarce if that's just their first stop, Jake said from behind her. Thanks, Jake. Carrie nodded. Take food, take food with you before you go. I have sandwiches made. I won't, I won't turn it down, my friend. You're the best cook in town. <laughs> Jake chuckled. Tell my wife that. He handed her a white cardboard box. There's several kinds and they'll keep. He studied her intently. Carrie, what happened? She wanted to tell him. She was so sick of being alone that she wanted to open up. She knew if she did, it would get him hurt or worse. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> Jake laughed. And I'll see you in an hour. All right, get going. You need anything. You still got your key, right? Yeah, thank you, Jake. She left, thankful the sun was finally going down. Her headache had almost disappeared. She figured some of Jake's sandwiches in her belly, a quick scan of her building, and it would be time to hunt the village idiot. Carrie finished the last bite of her second sandwich when she reached her apartment building. One cruiser and the meat wagon were parked outside. Rubberneckers milled around the street out front. She moved in with them and watched. Her landlord's body had been discovered splattered on the concrete in the alley behind the building. Talk of suicide made the rounds in the crowd. No one thought the bastard jumping from his own window was the least bit suspicious, not even the coroner. She used the commotion as a cover to slip back into her apartment, shower, change, and pack what little she had. She slept on the streets before. She'd do it again. She looked over her pathetic apartment one last time. Another home gone because she couldn't remember what she'd done. She pulled her jacket on, threw her key on the kitchen table. I'll take the rent out of this sweet ass, out of this sweet ass then. Carrie shook her head to clear it and opened her door. Registration, ma'am. Carrie froze. Uh, sure, officer. The trooper eyed her closely. You know you been. You know you have to have it on you all the times. Were you about to leave? Huh? Uh, oh, no, sir. Uh, let me get it for you. 
She drove her fist into, into his throat. He doubled over, coughing, and she jerked his Smith 45 from his holster and shot him in the knee. He dropped to the floor, howling. Carrie knelt next to him, covered his mouth with her hand, and aimed the Smith at his face. Shut up. She smiled sweetly. You won't die, so suck it up. Count to 20. Call for help. Give them the, my description if you have to. She noticed the body camera attached to his shirt. Never mind. You already have it. It doesn't matter. Scream before the count of 20 and I will remove... That's you. Yeah. Scream before the count of 20 and I will remove your face with one bullet. Not if you get it. The officer nodded. Good boy. Now, start counting. She gathered up her backpack, kept his gun, and fled down the fire escape, heading away from the commotion. Her destination was Arcane, the go-to club for every addict in the, addict in the city. The entire building was painted jet black. And there were no windows to give outsiders any clue to what went on inside. A line of people in various stages of undress waited, hoping to meet the approval of the bouncer on duty for the evening. A couple of the underage hookers I'd carry with distaste. Her torn leather jacket, faded jeans, black t-shirt, and with batter with the battered backpack slung over her shoulder. She didn't look the part of a club crawler. They were even more pissed off when the bouncer, a guy Carrie only knew as Demon, smiled and waved her ahead of everyone else. Carrie heard one of the hookers snarl the word bitch in her direction and made it a point to smile and flip her off on the way past. <laughs> dressing up and nothing didn't dressing up and nothing didn't impress the seven foot, three hundred and twenty-five pound black man at all. It wasn't Carrie's fault the unhappy hooker couldn't figure out Demon was gay. She flipped him some credits, and he immediately gave them back. She passed over her backpack and stashed it behind him. Demon made a show of checking her for weapons and ignored the knife she was never without, like usual. She was glad she'd stashed the guardsman Smith in her backpack. It was nice to be trusted by security. She didn't want to push her luck. Demon shook her hand warmly. Hey, sweetie. How have you been? I'm good, baby boy. You still dating that doctor? Oh, honey, I am. He's an absolute dream. Good for you. You see the the idiot tonight? Girl, what do you want with that nasty little ferret? Headache medicine. You know how I get. Do I ever. He really did. Two months earlier, he'd found her in the alley behind the club. He told her later, two days later, he didn't know about the pain patches and let her sleep it off in his apartment. And she did. She'd been crying. She'd been crying and begging him to kill her. Kay remembered none of it, but they'd been fast friends ever since. He went in earlier. Good luck peeling off the dancers. Demon shuddered. <sighs> Carrie <laughs> laughed and went inside. A smile she couldn't fight when she talked to the big man faded when she saw the act on stage. Damn. Goat night. The one night of the week she always tried to avoid. But the phantom echo of the migraine kept her hunting the crowd instead of turning on her on her heel and going somewhere else. Quote, unquote, goat night was pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> the dancers on stage were engaging in lewd acts with a large mountain goat. The goat was robotic. It looked real enough to turn her stomach. <laughs> the village idiot loved this shit. She couldn't understand it. She made a con concentrated effort to, to ignore the moaning and bleeding on stage and search for her dealer. She found him sitting in a corner booth with a teenage girl who looked like she enjoyed much more than the occasional pain patch or line of coke. 
The dark circles under her eyes and sunken cheeks were neon signs that spelled heroin addict. Carrie smiled sadly. She knew where the kid was coming from and hoped she'd find her way out. When the girl left, Carrie slid into the booth and smiled wickedly. Danny, you need some standards, boy? What the fuck are you doing selling heroin to children? Danny Youngblood, better known to every addict in the city as the village idiot, blanched. Carrie, you know I never use my name, and my clients are none of your fucking business. It's the name your mother gave you. You should be proud of it, and I'm ashamed of you. She's just a kid for fuck's sake. She took the credit chips from her pocket. You got? Of course. How many you want? All of them. I'm carrying six. That enough? She nodded and they made the exchange. The idiot eyed her closely. Always a pleasure, even if you fuck with me. Hey, you okay? You don't look like you feel good. I have stronger stuff. Get fucked, young blood. I'll see you in a week. She headed toward the back door. The hooker who'd been so pissed at her earlier had finally been allowed in and was glaring at Carrie over a glass of whatever passed for alcohol in this place. Suddenly, she threw her drink in the face of the man she'd been trying to seduce. She, he sputtered, spat, cursed, and walked away. The hooker watched him go with wild, confused eyes, telling her friend, I don't, I don't know why I did that. Damn it. I just lost my money for tonight. Carrie watched the spectacle with amusement. How weird. Shaking her head, she went out to find Demon and retrieve her backpack. Another headache. Or was it the same one? Was nibbling at the back of her eyes. May 10, 2056. Subject, KLS 9. Previous name, Carrie Lynn Sheridan. Age 4. Gender, female. Admission testing. Level 1 general psychic ability results. Red, black, 10 out of 10. Object differenti differentiation, 10 out of 10. Threat sense, 10 out of 10. Thought reception, 10 out of 10. Thought transmission, 10 out of 10. Notes. The subject is abnormally proficient in all basic psychic abilities. First perfect score in the history of the Institute. Level 2 results. Empathic projection, 10 out of 10. General empathic reception, 10 out of 10. Level 3 results. Telekinesis, 5 out of 10. Manipulation, 7 out of 10. Pyrokinesis, 0 out of 10. Notes. The subject can manipulate others to do her bidding, but must maintain eye contact to do so. No trace of any pyrotechnic ability. Cumulative score based on the Hyde-Nichols testing guidelines, 9. Highest standard rating, 5. Other information. Subject falls far outside the established Hyde-Nichols guidelines. The test could be inaccurate. Scored. Recommend retesting after admission. Test administration. Michael Jackal. Supervisor. Lucas Thomas. Scheduled transfer date, May 12, 2056. The end. Wow. Of chapter one. Lee Grissom. That was dope, yo. Yeah. Very Lee, cool. This was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I really like Carrie so far. I think that, I mean, everything about it is, um, is really cool. As far as like the, um, 
Did you make up the, the standards testing yourself? Yeah, that was that, that was interesting. I mean, you had the uh, I guess I don't know if you did that. Wow, I'm blah, blah, blah. Did you do research into the uh, psychic testing stuff? Because I know that was stuff that they actually did work on. Was that um, fact based or was that stuff you came up with fictionally? You did do research. Yes to research or yes fiction. This. <laughs> Waiting on an answer. No, but you know, it, if you if you made it made it up. Oh my oh. gosh, that's really cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And you started because she started this when she was twelve. Yeah, I know. I watched her interview. It's really amazing. So when you so started cool. it when you were twelve, what is the like? You started it so young. Um, how has the evolution of the story gone? I'm sure it's much more adult now. Um, but was it just a general idea when you were 12 that has completely obviously transformed itself or were the names the same or it, what was, um, uh, is it really similar to how you did it when you were 12, how you read it when you were 12? Fire. I want to, Okay, if you could have any psychic power, Matt, what would you have? If I could have any psychic power, it would be... Telekinesis, pyrotechnic, pyrokinesis. I don't like fire. Um, I think being able to would you be like Magneto? manipulate other people's minds would be pretty cool. I mean, I already can do that in a way. So Carrie's name never changed, but it's gotten darker as I've gotten older. Yeah, That's right. Imagine. That was in the interview, too. We Because I remember saying things get... She's gotten, it's gotten weirder as she's gotten older. Oh, yeah. And we got, we always get weirder as we get older. And you said that, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, the you story, don't know the hack over here. <laughs> I love the, I love the character so far. Um, Psychic driving. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, um, I really enjoyed the story. The character so far are really fun. Um, the, uh, the doc, the school is really cool. I want to know, I want to know more about that. I guess. I'm assuming, and this is an assumption, because that's why I just said I'm assuming. Is it might that, be like an X-Men school. Yeah, I know, but I want. I'm, I'm assuming that we're gonna have more flashbacks into their school time. It's gonna go from maybe like back and forth, maybe through her blackouts. Um, I don't know how you've done it, but and obviously the boy that was killed was Carrie's brother, because it was the same last name. That's why she went on a rampage. Oh, she I blacked out on went on a rampage. That's why they were looking for her because her brother was killed. I don't know why he was killed. I didn't notice that. But yeah, he was the boy that was hanging with the zip ties. Sheridan. Oh my god. That's her last name. So she's good. She notices things that I don't notice. Yeah. Can't pull yeah. <gasps> her twin. Woohoo! See? Were they Siamese twins? No, that's impossible. Boys <laughs> and girls can't be Siamese. Twins. <laughs> They're fraternal twins. Oh my. Oh dear. I had so much fun doing They're this. They're psychic twins. Yes, psychic twins. They could start a hotline. Ooh, psychic. the first set of twins allowed to live in decades. And so we're going to get into that as we read the story further why they kill twins. Okay. Okay. What I'm going to do is leave this up. And well, not the live chat because I have to go to bed, but. I'm going to um, leave the giveaway open for a week. You want to watch us sleep. <laughs> yeah, leave the giveaway open for a week and just comment. Uh, I know Shabnam was in here. I'm going to ask her if she wants a free copy. But uh, 
It's like in China. Um, yep. We're going to give away a copy of Lee Grissom's book, KLS9. And, uh, and Lee, if you have some lucky person you want us to give it away to, just let me know. I just need an email, and we can make it happen. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. We're doing big things here. We read. Spread the word. Oh, tomorrow night I'm reading from my book, Trent Foster and the Council of Ten. Very excited about it. You should be. It's a really good story, guys. If you haven't read it, watch. Tune in. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tomo arigato. Tomo arigato. Mr. Roboto. Mr. Roboto. All right, yeah, tune in tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. Subscribe, like, share. Share this with everybody in the world. Uniweb Productions, we're blowing up and doing big things. Here to promote you and your works and all the wonderful things that you people do. And thank you, Lee Grissom, for letting us read your fantastic story. I hope we did it justice. We're very grateful. Matt, you did a very good job. I have with a your amazing character voices that are very enthralling and faces. Those hey, beautiful, beautiful faces. This is my psychic face. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> okay, you guys have a wonderful night. All right, good night. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.